This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Welcome to the Circuit of Success, and thank you for joining me. You know, it's been said that success comes to those who wait, but I believe the opposite. I believe that it's earned with the right attitude, a great belief system, and action every single day. When you mix that in with faith, courage, discipline, and most importantly, a vision, that's when greatness happens. Now let's dive right in to this week's guest. Welcome to the show, Circuit of Success Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Gilliland, and I've got a guest today that is the president and CEO of Competitive Range Solutions. Uh, my guest today is Noah Vasquez. Noah, welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you very much, Brett, for having me. Uh, real pleasure to be here and uh, looking forward to our discussion. Absolutely. Well, I've uh, just gotten to know you over the last few months, man, and, and just absolutely inspired by your story. And, and uh, so why don't you just give a, our listeners... Uh, just a look into your life, go back as far as you want and kind of tell your story and uh, what, what's made you the man you are today. Thanks. Uh, sure, I'll do that. So, you know, I think that uh, when we think through, you know, success and, and you know, my, today what I look like, what I, you know, a lot of folks have perceptions about, you know, who I am and where I spent my time in high school and college and things of that nature. What they don't see is that I kind of have a, I have a checkered kind of past. Uh, and now, you know, as I've grown up, I've realized that everybody, people have crazy families and they have their trials and tribulations. Um, but my story is, is unique in that, you know, I, I have, was a troubled youth that uh, at the age of like 13, 14 and 15, uh, found myself uh, without a place to live, found myself involved in gangs, uh, principally because my parents got divorced. My father ended up having to go back to kind of the neighborhood. Uh, and as a result of that, there was a lot of violence and it was just, a, I was kind of a, I'd say I was a victim of circumstance. I wasn't inherently a bad kid. I just had uh, a lot of anger, uh, didn't have a lot of choices um, and had to kind of roll with the punches to the extent that, you know, I remember trying to, to do well in school and just getting jumped for no reason whatsoever. Uh, eventually that wears on the mind and it wears on young people. And, and, you know, what do they do? They turn to, to violence to defend themselves and it is what it is. Um, you know, fortunately, I, I uh, inevitably ended up in the city of Chicago. Uh, my brother, who uh, was on an equally uh, bad path, uh, had reached out to me in New York one, one time uh, when I was kind of struggling. Um, and he found God in the city of Chicago uh, through a ministry, an outreach ministry, uh, and sort of duped me into uh, coming to the city of Chicago. I say that he duped me because, you know, at the time he said I could live with him. And uh, <laughs> at, that wasn't all true, as I would later learn. Um, you know, he wanted to get me to the city of Chicago. Uh, and he kept me at his house for like a day and then found out that I had poor hygiene and bad manners and he, he had a, a wife. And so his story was amazing. He was a bad guy just like me, but he had turned his life around and I was very interested in what, what Chicago and really God had to offer and what was there. Uh, I knew what the East Coast had to offer, but um, he seemed to have really, uh, he just seemed like a different guy. He, he didn't seem like an angry person. We, our family were always very angry in my house, very uh, very discontent. My mother was from the Dominican Republic. My father was from the New Dominican Republic. Uh, father was a gypsy cab driver. Mother was a struggling, you know, student. Always a lot of frustration, principally around money and the lack of money and racism and all the things that they dealt with in the in the late 70s. Um, so needless to say, he got his life together, uh, said I could go to Chicago, came to Chicago. Uh, and he, uh, you know, the second day there, he kind of said, hey, let's go for Let's go for a, a tour of the city of Chicago. And I said, that sounds great. Uh, it's a new new experience for me. Um, so we pulled up to this house in, in the neighborhood. It was Humble Park. And that was before, you know, now Humble Park today has Starbucks and, you know, spinning classes <laughs> and cupcake shops. Uh, this was way before that. Um, 
there was a lot of gang banging, uh, a lot of Latin kings and disciples and other gangs that were there. Um, and he pulls up to this house and, you know, he says, hey, you know, this is where you're going to live. And I said, you know, this is this is a joke, right? I, I said, I remember saying this was like, this, you're supposed to be Christian. You just lie. <laughs> but he uh, he definitely uh, he left me there and he said, look, you know, you've got to get your life together. And I think you'll do it here. Uh, the, the youth home at the time was run by an outreach ministry uh, by the name of Victory Outreach. They're still there. They're still pretty much dedicated to, to outreach of men, women. At the time, they had a rehabilitation home for young people and, a, and they had a, uh, an agreement with the, the city of Chicago, some agreement where basically, you know, uh, troubled youth would be able to go to the youth home uh, as a last measure before going to jail. And so I, quite frankly, went in there with just a bunch of gangbangers and other guys that were trying to, I don't know, I, I really, looking back, I don't know how many of those guys are really just trying to change their life versus just have a place to not go to jail, right? right. But needless to say, you know, I stayed there for quite some time. Uh, and inevitably, you know, when you, when you pray enough and you read enough and you inflect enough, you become to process your emotions. And what it did was it kind of slowed time down for me uh, and afforded me the opportunity to uh, process my thoughts, process, you know, why my parents' uh, marriage is broken and, and why my mother treated me the way she did and uh, why, you know, people didn't really care that I was homeless, the people that I thought should care. So all these things, you're just a young, immature person and you process these emotions and when you can't make sense of them, they turn into anger and frustration. I think that's kind of what our, you know, our country is dealing with a lot of that. We have a lot of young people that are hopeless and they don't have that guidance. They don't have that, that ability to stop time and, and really process their thoughts. And that was me. Um, so I was in a youth home uh, through prayer and, and meditation and reading the Bible. I kind of processed my emotions and inevitably got out of my own way. I started to see that I could pick myself up from that hole. Um, you know, it's, it's, as, it's as simple as walking into a store and, and being a young person and having... Uh, you know, half the store look at you like you don't belong. I mean, it's just something you know. You go into establishments and places and you feel that in society, you're just not going to be anything. And eventually you start to believe that. Um, well, you know, during my time at the youth home, I was there for about a year. I began to convince myself and I began to see that I had a higher worth and value to the world than I had, you know, than I had uh, told myself for quite a long time. And as a result of that, you know, I, I kind of turned to, to finding ways to improve my situation. And, you know, my wife, she doesn't like it when I say this, but the fact of the matter is that around the time I started turning my life around uh, was around the time that I found out that the pastor um, whose daughter he would have visit the youth home for Bible studies, she would come around. And so, you know, I, I joke with her and I say that I'm not really sure if it was God or the girl. <laughs> I'd like to think that it was a little bit of both. I'd like to think that maybe it was God through the girl. But, um, you know, Vanessa is, is the, she was the pastor's daughter. Um, the pastor, his name was Nick. He called me his son. We were very, very close. And when I found out he had a daughter, well, that complicated matters quite significantly. She was very pretty. That probably was not part of the story, right? Was no, to date the pastor's daughter? No, that wasn't part of it. I, I couldn't have seen that one coming. But, you know, when I laid eyes on her, uh, it was just a connection. And, you know, she gave me hope. And she gave me a desire to want to do something greater for myself than I thought I could. She was my muse. And, and that's a fact. I, I inevitably ended up, I remember her father telling me that I wasn't, he said, like, I love you and, and you're like a son to me, but I love her more. And, and frankly, you're just not up to, you're not up to par. She's got, she's going to do great things. And, um, and I said, well, what if I, you know, what if I get my stuff together? You know? And he's like, no, it's not going to work. So sure enough, I ended up getting a GD. Um, I, I ended up getting my GD. I ended up going to Robert Morris college and she and I began to chart a path for success together, which is kind of funny because we we're only like 15 at the time. And we became friends. I ended up uh, going to Robert Morris College at the time. I actually went to Wright College 
to study for the GD. Then I took some courses. I think I took some courses at Wright. I ended up going to Robert Morris College to make up some, some credits. And then I really wanted to go to a good school. Inevitably, I graduated DePaul University. Wow. But um, I think that was a real pivotal point. My life really turned around at that time. So, you know, we had a lot of, I had a lot of things that I can talk about in my passion. I come from a, a long lineage of, you know, folks that were, you know, coke dealers. And a lot of my family are still, you know, felons are still in prison. But the fact is that, you know, at that age, you know, things turned around for me. Uh, and I think that one of the most significant things that happened in my life was the fact that um, I, I was able to turn to my to my faith or develop that faith and, and develop the skills to process my emotions. The second uh, most impactful thing was having met Vanessa and uh, having her on my side and, and giving me vision, greater vision for myself than I had had at the time. Um, and then I, I think that, you know, the the single greatest thing that I think happened after that was, you know, joining uh, the military. Uh, after 9-11, you know, I, I found myself kind of thinking through what it is that I wanted to do with the rest of my life. I'd always had an affinity for the military and wanted to join, but never really had the, the you know, the, the wherewithal to really see myself doing that. Uh, but after 9-11, I was pretty upset about everything that went on, and I said, you know, I want to join. So I just one day uh, stepped in to the military, um, and within a very short period of time, I found myself, you know, at basic training. And then it, 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 it really made up for all the things. And I'm not sure if it was all part of God's plan or not, but, you know, the fact of the matter is that you, you know, I, I was praying for all these things to come together. And ironically, slowly but surely, I felt that, you know, God was really, uh, and I don't mean to be like a, a Jesus freak. No, but, it's all good. But my story, the bottom line is, is that my, my story is pretty, pretty faith-based. I don't talk about it a lot because uh, it's not, you know, apropos, uh, but, you know, it seems that all these holes that I had in my life, all these gaps began to get filled. All the things that I didn't learn from my parents, because that's not the household I grew up in. You know, the military tore me down and built me back up and taught me a, a, a structure for the way that a man should carry himself, uh, character, you know, ethics and principles and things that were never really, I mean, they were there, but they weren't really there. You know, we, we pretty much ran pretty wild. We're pretty crazy kids coming up. And so, uh, so the military, you know, that that's where I grew up. I would say that I grew up a lot in the military. The military gave me the opportunity uh, to fail, and I did. Uh, gave me the opportunity to succeed, and eventually I did. Uh, gave me the opportunity to deploy in support of our, our country, so I supported Operation uh, Iraqi Freedom and Enduring Freedom. Um, and, and I just picked up a code there, and, and to this day, I still consider myself a warfighter and a mission support partner. It's all I know, it's all I've done uh, for as far back as I can think uh, in terms of the, the years that really matter. Um, you know, and I raised my kids with those principles. Believe it or not, there's a lot of things that people don't talk about in the military. You know, there are a lot of benefits. Maybe most folks don't understand it because maybe they didn't need it. But, you know, there's a lot of life skills that the military will teach you. Um, there are actual programs that will teach you life skills if you don't have them. Uh, and if, in fact, you're found to not have them. Hmm. Um, there are things like marriage counseling. There are things like, uh, like, you know, psychology and all these things that are provided budgeting. I mean, these are things that the military today is, is providing its service members, um, not including, you know, the tuition and all the other things that tuition assistance and all the things that go along with that. But, the, you know, it was really a big solution for me. And from that, you know, I was able to uh, develop a code that I live by. It's pretty basic. You know, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm a pretty, I like to say that I like to keep myself, you know, simple because I don't have a good memory. I just, it's a rule of threes. So you know, when guys preach, they stick to three. I like three things. So, uh, so for me, you know, my family, my business, and my faith are, are you know, core, core values for me. Um, and my business is my ministry, and it's also my mission. It's what I, I do and how I identify in society. So, 
so that being said, I guess that comes full circle. You know, today, um, you know, looking back, I think that there are a lot of young people that I was with. You know, I found out that one of the guys that I was in Utah with was shot. He was shot in the head recently. A lot of guys are dead or in jail. Uh, there's really only one other. There's only two guys that I know of the probably 22 guys that I was in Utah with that are, that are actually still doing okay. One of them is doing okay by proxy just because he's not dead, but I think he's on heroin. And then another one uh, was uh, on some drugs and is currently in rehab uh, in, in uh, I think it's New Mexico. So, um, you know, the pastor still being the pastor. He's still dedicated his life to outreach. He's still in, in the city of Chicago holding rallies and reaching out to young people and going where nobody else wants to go. I mean, when I said that I got, I was able to process a lot of those emotions, consider that, you know, that ministry, you know, we would go out and, uh, you know, when I thought I had problems, you know, I would go and have, you know, we would have uh, event, event, we would go out and evangelize. And you're sitting there and you're preaching and ministering to prostitutes and pimps and guys that are on heroin. And when you're, and no matter how bad my situation was, and it was pretty, you know, it was pretty bad. It was a lot of stuff that went on. You know, the fact is I always found somebody who had it so much worse. And so the, the youth home wasn't just the place where I lived. The youth home exposed me to a lot of, a lot of what is really out there and helped me to reconcile uh, my blessings. Uh, and I think that's, you know, part of it is maturity. Part of it is just the, that empathetic side of you and learning. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's kind of where things are now. I still help the ministry. I still contribute and I, I still donate um, both my time and my resources and money to help the ministry. Um, and I do things to try to help uh, the people of that church as often as possible. I still donate my time here in the city of St. Louis doing public speaking at some of the schools, most recently Rittner High School. Um, currently sitting on the arts and the, the board of the Arts and Education Council as the president of the Young, uh, young Friends uh, of the Arts and Education Council. Um, trying to get involved with young people there as well. So I still have a, a huge affinity for young people. Uh, and of course, obviously I serve sample veterans because I'm a service sample veteran. But those are those are two places where I think, you know, that's where my heart is. Uh, I love young people. I love the potential that they have. And I like help. I like seeing them, you know, find, you know, seeing them when they find their way or helping them find their way. Well, that's beautiful. Noah. thank you for sharing that. And uh, I know you, when, I, when I hear your story and, and we talk about it, it's, it's amazing what you've been through. And, and would you say when you were going through that, obviously, there's a lot of there's some dark days during that time, obviously, maybe more than, than not. I don't know. But. Did you have a passion for wanting to be successful? I mean, obviously you're successful today, but did you, in those dark times, did you see success long-term in your life? Yeah, I mean, I think that at the, in my darkest moments, I think that the thing that made me more angry than anything was my ambition. Um, you know, it's like, I remember one time, you know, because I was young, you know, I got married really young, so I'm just going to come out and say, you know, I went to like marriage counseling once upon a time. And I remember asking the guy, he goes, I said, you know, so, so are, you know, you have this conversation, you yell at each other for about an hour, and then you say, okay, so what do you think, doc? And the guy goes, he says, oh, I think you guys are going to be great. And I'm, I'm sitting back thinking, I didn't think that went well at all. He's like, he's like, you know, the people that I can't help are the people that don't have anything to say to each other. And clearly, he's like, you guys won't shut up. <laughs> so... So I think, and it's because I, I care, I cared about my marriage. And so for me, it's the same holds true when I was young. I think that the, the very thing that made me angry was what it was is in my, at least in my opinion, and, and as far as I can recall, nothing made me more angry than, than, you know, conceding that all of the great things that I ever thought I was going to do were never going to be possible. And it made me really angry to, to, to have to deal with that. So yeah, I think uh, I was always very, very ambitious. And I remember sometimes as a young kid just wishing I could grow up because I, I felt like my parents were getting in my way, if that makes any yeah. sense. It's weird. 
but I always, I, I never knew exactly what I was going to do, but I was always pretty occupied with being more productive. I'm a baby steps kind of guy. Like I said, I can't, I can't, I can't do too many things at once, but for as far back as I can remember, and even today, I've always been quite busy trying to be better than I currently am. Uh, so as a young person, I remember sitting there and saying, if I'm going to do this, I've got to be the very best at it. And I can't say that I've always had like a, I have a, a longer vision now because I have to as a CEO. I, I kind of have to know where my life is going. And I, I've kind of, uh, there's an acute need for that in my, in my job description. Um, but prior to owning this company, I was just always focused on being the very best, whether it was being a warfighter, whether it was being, you know, a husband, a dad, a student. I, I was always on that hustle. I was always hustling for something bigger and better than what we, we, we currently had. And in some cases, stretching myself and taking on student loans and doing things that I, it was all in faith, in faith that it would somehow pay off, um, even when sometimes it wasn't clear that it would. Uh, I suppose that's what makes us entrepreneurs, right? Absolutely. But, but yeah, so I would say that that's absolutely uh, something that I've always been pretty preoccupied with is, is being extraordinary. I never wanted to be just the regular guy that checked in and checked out. I remember working with the government uh, and I had a great gig at the government. It was one of the best jobs I ever had. And I remember just thinking, like, coming in and out of a cubicle drove me absolutely bananas. And I just thought to myself, you know, what is, what is outside? You know, what else can I be doing? Uh, and how else can I be making myself felt? And, you know, I remember seeing and having these ideas that could not be supported either for political reasons or uh, whatever rule or policy. I just wanted to be free. Um, and today I'm, I'm very happy that... I still have parameters, but by and large, you know, if I decided that I wanted to take the company in a direction, I could do that without with, with without much uh, much effort. Well, it's a good feeling to be an entrepreneur, obviously, to to be able to guide the ship wherever you want it to go. What, what would you say your your disciplines are today? Do you have any rituals, anything that you're doing every day to to keep you on the straight and narrow from a from a mind and growing your business and having a vision? Because we all have rejection, right? Every single day, no matter what business we're in. We get told no or, or, or something happens in the day. What, uh, what do you do to stay disciplined, stay motivated? So I think that, you know, a lot of what, the, a lot of what I learned in the military is still pretty, pretty, pretty consistent. Um, I think that the mind, the body, and the spirit are important. And the, and the spirit and the mind are not always the same. Um, so I think that, you know, from a spiritual perspective, you know, I have a relationship with God. And, um, you know, I have to, I have to keep it honest and, and know that I can live with myself and, and, and be able to, uh, you know, make decisions that I can live with. So from a spirituality perspective, I think it's important. Um, I do, I do uh, rely on my faith pretty heavily. It's the, the thing that enables me to do things that people look at me like I'm crazy for. Um, I think that from, you know, the mind, when I talk about the mind, you know, I, I, the mind and is a, it's, it's an organ, right? The, the, the brain. And so I think it's important that um, we're healthy, that we process our feelings and emotions. So I spend a lot of time meditating. I pray, but I also meditate, and uh, I spend a lot of time making sure, that, like I said, that the decisions that I make are the ones that I can live with, uh, and that I'm being healthy, healthy, and that's the body. So I do work out pretty consistently. I've got a personal trainer. I think physical fitness is absolutely imperative to the uh, to the mind and the and the spirit, and uh, and so I stay pretty active from a from a working out perspective. I, I do CrossFit. I do weightlifting. Warmer days, I, I do some running, although it's getting harder as I get older, <laughs> but. Um, but those are the three things that, that are incredibly important to me. And when I, and, and the mind part of it is, is spending time with family and taking care of that, that other side of the brain that is not always just focused on 
business because I am all consumed with business quite often. And I, I, you know, my kids and my wife tend to get, keep me grounded. Yeah. It's hard to turn it off. Yeah. So I'm actually, I meditate as well. And I found doing this podcast, there's more meditators out there than I thought there were, if that's even a word. There's an app app for that. There's an app for that. And that's what I was going to ask you. What's the app? Do you use Uh, an app for that? I do. Yeah, I do. I use Omvana. Uh, Omvana is- How do you spell that? uh, It's O-M-V-A-N-A. Okay. I think that's it. Uh, I can bring it up here. But yeah, Omvana is what I use. Uh, I, I use Headspace. I don't know if you've ever heard Headspace of that Headspace is another one. Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, I don't know, I was watching uh, Billions or something. Or Billions. Yeah, is it Billions? I think it's Billions. They yeah. use an app. I think that's what my, where, where I might have picked that one up. Okay. But uh, Omvana is pretty good. They've got a pretty decent library of, uh, I think they're independent folks that, that post their, their own meditations on there and their guided meditation. I tend to like guided meditation. Um, and so I, I try to do that at least once a day. Uh, it's, you know... I may go a week or so without it, but more often than not, I do about a, I do, I try to do it once a day. Yep. And so what's your vision long-term for your business, uh, for this country? Cause I know you work a lot of the federal and government mm-hmm. contracts and what do you see? Uh, what, what's your vision? What are you seeing every day? Yeah. I mean, I think that, I mean, by and large, um, you know, our country is bigger than our president. Um, and, and regardless of what side you are there, I do, you know, I, I, one of the things that I do respect is that office and I do respect the vote and I respect that the man is there. So at the end of the day, we got to move on. Uh, I had a commander once as he says, you know, you got to embrace the suck. And it was one way of him saying, look, it is what it is. Let's make it productive. Um, I think that, you know, our, our, our country is, is heading in a great direction, uh, principally because I think we're very forward. We're a very forward thinking country. We have our issues. We have our differences. But by and large, by the numbers, we're much better off today than we were a decade ago and a decade before that. Um, and we also have a pretty low tolerance for stupidity and ignorance. I mean, by and large, you can make all the promises you want, but you know, the, the American public has an opinion. And if that opinion turns against you, you're probably going to have a hard time, no matter who you are. I don't care who you are. So, so I think it's very positive. Um, you know, as far as the, the, you know, I think that our country faces a lot of challenges. Um, we may be divided here, but we also have enemies, uh, that are, you know, foreign and, uh, I think we got a lot of work to do. I think we have a lot of cybersecurity challenges. I think we got a lot of infrastructure issues. I think we've got a lot of things that, that I, I think are going to be really important. And I think we have to be ahead of it. And that takes a lot of uh, talent. It takes a lot of young people. It takes a lot of educated people uh, to get caught up on a lot of these technologies. So I think that um, our market is going to grow, I think, because the threat against, you know, against us is going to grow. I'm in the tech space, and I think that that's going to continue to be an area of risk for our country. Um, I think that some of the things that the president is doing may also spur some growth for us in that uh, clearly, obviously, a freeze of all fed, you know, civilian hires across the federal government, um, except for the, obviously, the, the Department of Defense and some other critical agencies. You know, that's gonna, you know they're going to have to rely more heavily on, on the contractor workforce, our, you know, what we, like me, mission partners, to step up and support. Um, so I see, I see our company growing there. Uh, I also see that the blessing is also the curse. I think for me, our vision is, my vision is to be respected in the space. Uh, I think we've done a good job of that as a small business. Um, but I think that, that your, 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 the value and the impact of a company can be diluted with growth if you're not careful. And so, you know, my vision is to continue to be a well-respected small, uh, small business admission partner. Um, and to the extent that I can, you know, hone our core capabilities and consistently grow in those areas and stay focused, um, uh, then that's, that's kind of what I'm shooting for. Today, our, our practice areas are generally across two core areas, which is mission support, uh, which is uh, everything from acquisition program management, non-technical stuff or non-IT stuff, to then the uh, technology solutions, which is more on the development side, arch- uh, solutions architecture and engineering, really providing um, 
acutely focused technology-driven solutions to solve uh, some of our, our, you know, our, our customers' problems that they're dealing with, whether it's business process optimization through automation, uh, whether it's through the configuration and deployment of, of uh, unique uh, software uh, solutions. Um, that's where we want to be. Um, that and not going bankrupt as, right. as, the, <laughs> as the bigger piece of it. So as you think about that as an entrepreneur, I mean, obviously one day you were sitting in a, an office or a cube and, and you had this dream of I want to go out and start my own thing. I want to start my own business. What would you tell our listeners that may be doing the same thing, right? They're, they're listening to this while they're driving down the road right now. They're not 100% happy in their career. What would you tell yourself, you know, five years ago? What would you tell the Noah five years ago? That the vast majority of what you're reading here about how businesses start is BS. The fact is, you get a, you get a bunch of uh, around a bunch of young guys that started a company, and they'll tell you how you know they were in some dorm room and it came to them in the night. Or you know, the fact is, it's a lot. It's really a lot more simple than that, and it's actually a lot less sexy and exotic. It's really just people wanting to be better than where they are and putting together the little things that they have to try to create a market for themselves. Um, you know, I was always looking and waiting for the opportunity that I thought needed to be present for me to move on, 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 on starting a company. And the fact of the matter is that if I, if I had not uh, lost my mind and just gotten frustrated, I probably would still be waiting for that moment. The fact of the matter is that there's never the right time. There's only the right mindset. And so for me, you know, I, I had a skill and my company, it's not that sexy. I was working with the DOD. You know, everybody's always looking so forward at what they want to be that they forget that they have skills today that can help them pull themselves up by their bootstraps. So uh, I was working with the DOD as a, as a contracting officer. And what that meant is that I had an acute domain expertise with regards to um, with regards to uh, source selection and uh, risk-based acquisition strategy and how it is that the government, you know, went up about procuring emerging technologies. It's a, it's a whole craft, right? There's an entire methodology for source selection. Um, and one day I just decided I, I thought I could, I could sell my services for, for money. And that was really it. And then I started building my time and then I built a client base and then I exceeded my ability to meet that need. Um, that's grit though. That's grit day in, day out. I mean, you're working, you're waking up, traveling everywhere, presenting, writing proposals, helping people win bids. Uh, and inevitably, um, you know, I, I went from doing that. I had an aha moment or more like a, a, you're an idiot moment. I, I got into a space that couldn't scale. That was before Shark Tank, right? Now we all know what scale is because that's all they talk about. You know, how do you, how do you scale it? How do you monetize and revenue? What's your revenue model? Well, we didn't, I didn't have that and I didn't have anybody to help me. So I just kind of realized I got way too many customers. I have too little time and I'm, I can't keep this up. So I looked around and I said, I'm in the IT space. Most of my customers are in IT. So I transformed my customers into my strategic partners. And I said, look, you know, how about I don't take a fee? And, you know, we work together and you potentially throw me some opportunities. I'm a small business. I was a small disadvantaged company and a service-disabled veteran-owned company. And there were set-asides and there was a way for us to do that. So it was really, I mean, just beating my head up against the wall. Like, okay, I can't build my time anymore. I can't, oh, I can build my time, but I can't find people that do what I do. So I can't scale. And I, I marinated on that for probably three months. It didn't happen. Or it was like three months. Just drive myself crazy. Like, what do I do? And it was simple. You have partners. They have small businesses that they're working with, why not you? Are you not good enough? Do you like the reason? I was like, no, I, I could do it. So I transformed the, the conversation that we were having from a customer to a, to a partner kind of a paradigm. And we started getting uh, bids and then we grew quite a bit. Um, so one of the things I, I always like to talk about, I don't know what you're gonna say to this, so this may be a bad question, but uh, fear, right? So I've, I've always heard fear stands for false evidences appearing real. 
right? And so when I look back on my on my career and I look back at the things that I get fearful about happening, by and large, they don't happen, right? And if they do, they're never as bad as what we think. So tell us about the fear. And I mean, do you kind of agree with my point there that fear, it doesn't actually end up being as bad for those people that are thinking about not doing something because of fear? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. You know, ironically, uh, I have mentors. I've always tra- shifted out my mentors. I, I trade them out every, every like three or four years because I either outgrow them or I have a different need in my life. And I have mentors that they do, they do 500 million in business, you know, almost a billion dollars in business, $10 million in business. And the one consistent thing is they all, they all have concerns and they all have long nights. And so, but do I, they be, are they as bad as what they normally are though? Well, hey, so that's where I'm getting at. I mean, you know, the fact of the matter is that fear is very, very healthy. Um, and I came to a realization recently, I was, I had like an aha moment. I woke up in the middle of the night, scared the daylights out of my wife. For like, you know, for the last four years, I've been waking up in the middle of the night and like losing sleep. And I finally realized, hey, that's the way God speaks to me. I'm, I literally sit and toss and turn about all the problems the company's having. And then I wake up and I just go bananas. I'm like, oh, Lord, I can't sleep. And I lose all this sleep. And now I embrace it. And then unfortunately, I actually sleep better, which is, you know, I, now I, I, think, I think God shut me off. But, but I think it's a healthy thing. And I think part of the reason why the, the things are not always as bad as they are is because fear it forces you to face the problem and it forces you to get creative about it never happening. Right. So by proxy, you're right. Uh, things are not as bad as they appear, but that's principally because you've spent a lot of time focusing on how you don't want them to happen in the first place. Yeah. Um, so I think that, you know, I think that over the years, the one thing I would tell folks is that I think it's important to learn how to manage fear. Fear is a, a fear is something that can be managed. Um, and when I first got started with the company and just a lot of the things that I was doing, fear really really uh kind of um had a pretty strong hold on me and today it doesn't if i if i get a lawsuit or if i'm in a situation you know i used to get this this grip in my stomach and now i don't i just it is it's, it's i accept it as part of, of my life and a part of where i position myself and i, I accept it as being part of the good and bad the yin and the yang of, of being an entrepreneur and being in business same thing with being a parent and, and all these things so I process fear differently and I think I've matured and I can't say how that happened, but over time, as you take some licks and you take some hits, you tend to just learn how to process these emotions in a more productive way. And I, I tend to focus that energy and try to solve it versus let it drive me into a pretty uh, unhealthy mental state, yep. which I can't tell you how many guys I know struggle with anxiety and have to pop pills and all kinds of things. Um, so I try to do the more holistic route. Right. I meditate, uh, I pray a lot. I pray more when I'm having a lot of problems, which it's not a good thing, but that's just the way we are, that I'm wired anyway. Um, yeah, so hopefully that answers your question. Absolutely. Yeah, no, and, and again, hearing your, your meditation, your faith, I'm the exact same way. I mean, that's, that's the way I, I deal with the stuff that we got to deal with every day because it's anybody that's going to be an entrepreneur or want to be an entrepreneur or is, uh, it, it doesn't stop, right? There's just more of them. And so I think how you uh, react to that fear and that, that stuff is, is a big deal. So, yeah, and I don't think people should beat themselves up. I mean, people beat themselves. That's the other thing. People, entrepreneurs tend to, because they're yep. A-types, they tend to beat themselves up. Stop beating yourself up. It's not healthy. I mean, how you deal with things is how you deal with it. Accept it, move on, mature. But don't spend too much time dwelling on the things you could have, should have, would have done. Because I, I tend to hear, oh, you know, no, what do you think? You know, you, you ask a lot of people's opinions and they're all going to have a different opinion. At the end of the day, you know, I think it's important to just live right. If you're living right and you've given it all that you had and you've made a poor choice, then it really doesn't matter what anybody else thinks, yep. you know, so long as you're sticking to your code. So how did you mention your mentors earlier? How did you find those mentors? Is it 
you know your world a, a smaller world so easy to find them or is begging, still... and ple- begging and pleading <laughs> you know yeah <laughs> you know you the fact is there's you know the guys that are out there and want to be mentoring folks those are the guys i mean in my opinion anyway um those aren't the guys that i want mentoring me i want the guys that are so busy that they can't have a, a protege but i i kind of try to aim for where i want to be i look at guys that have that I can generally say have struggled through either a certain phase of growth in the company that I, because um, if you get too big, then they've been away from it too long. But if you talk to, you know, I know guys that have uh, been just beyond the point that I'm at and I will work with them and say, hey man, you, you think you can make some time? No, I'm busy, please, come on, man. I'll take you, it's coffee. You wanna get a beer, steak, anything. I try to, I try to do that. I try to, uh, you know, pique the interest of people that I know are gonna have a real meaningful impact. And believe it or not, those people are not the typical people that you would think. They're not multi whatever billionaires. No, they're just regular people. Sometimes they're people that are, you know, I, I have uh, mentors in my life, similar to what um, I discussed with you in terms of my core values. You know, I have mentors that are my spiritual mentors, others that are my business mentors, and others that are my mentors. And just, I know guys that I, I, I stay close to because they're just amazing dads, much better than me. Mm-hmm. Um, I do as good as I can, but I know some guys that are just amazing fathers, and I, I try to pick up cues and pick their brain and, and things like that. So, um, a lot of my mentors are well suited to who I want to be as a person, uh, mentally, spiritually, and, and physically. And so that's kind of how I, you know, round that out. Awesome. All right. Now, next question. What, what's your, what's your game changer this year? When you think of 2017, I love talking to people about what they're going to do, especially if you, let's say if you could take your 10 year vision and bring it to 2017 and make it happen this year, what's your game changer? Oh, so our game changer, I think. I think that people, um, I think that part of, I've hit a maturity curve in my business and that I've really, I think we all talk about how people make all the difference in the world, but until you're building something yourself and you're, you know, I, the company as it has grown has become a great deal less about me and more about people. And so I'm beginning to see the power and the potential of people and my resources and, and all that are being channeled to uh, making these people happier and more productive and, and more awesome. Um, this year we are bringing on really, really amazing people that are transforming our business in a way that I could never do. You know, when I first got started, I, I definitely was the spearhead kind of visionary in terms of where I wanted to go. But this year, you know, this year, I think that uh, already we've made some decisions to bring some people on that frankly, uh, has not only improved my quality of life because frankly, they're very competent professionals. But I think that they bring with them experience and a, a level of professionalism that I think um, will define us as a company moving forward. And I think that uh, because we're, you know, we're a, an IT and, and uh, you know, consulting services type company, people will always be a focal point. Uh, and I think that every year uh, that has to be the focus and has to be the, the most important and, and differentiated value that we offer our customers is the quality of people that we bring on to our, our organization. So we talked about uh, earlier, you talked about the uh, the people, and we just spoke about them as well. Uh, how about books? Are you a reader? You know, my dad always told me, people I've, I've come close to in my professional life, the, the two things are going to make you a better person five years from now are the books you read and the people you surround yourself with. Yeah, I, I would say that I used to read quite a bit, and then I try to do audiobooks. The fact is, you know, when I started this company, I thought that I would spend a lot of my time writing proposals and, and you know, the fact is I don't, I don't have time for really any, honestly, outside of prayer and meditation and spending time with my kids, I really don't have a waking moment. I'm literally working and if I'm not, you know, spending time with my kids, I'm working, whether it's in bed, on the phone, on the way, planes, trains, automobiles, I'm literally 
consumed, I probably have 200 emails a day and I probably get through maybe a third of those. And I, usually the stuff that I'm reading, I try to have the 80-20 rule and the 20% is usually legal documents, agreements, contracts, subcontracts, joint venture agreements, uh, operating agreements that dominates my life. And I think maybe it'll change, but uh, because we're in a growth phase with the company, um, I'm incessantly doing reviews of legal documents and agreements yeah. and consulting agreements. Um, and we're winning contracts. So I'm also involved in that. So I don't have a lot of time to read. I wish I did. Um, but if, even if I had the time to read, I probably would have liked not to and just get my mind off. Of turn work. the brain off. Yeah, turn the brain off because I think that that, that is definitely one of the things that I struggle with is turning the brain off because I'm constantly thinking well, even when I'm sleeping, which is not healthy, yeah. but it's kind of the way that I'm wired. It's the way it works. All right, we're going to have some fun here. You're stranded on an island. You can only take two things with you. What are you taking? <laughs> a GPS beacon. <laughs> a GPS beacon and uh, and an airplane. Nice. You didn't say I couldn't take an airplane. No, you know, not. <laughs> I hope there's a landing strip or a takeoff on that. Exactly. Island, so you're coming home. That's exactly. a good point. Exactly. That's a very good one. I've heard <laughs> that before. It's the end of the night. You're out with your friends, your family, just having a great time. You want the you want the, the night to keep going. What's your one song to keep the night going? Oh man. I like so like I'm an eighties kid. And like uh, I can't help it, but like I, I'm also like uh, I do a lot of reminiscing and, and thinking, uh, you know. And so for me, I, I would probably want something really uh, some '80s music. Nice '80s music, crank to the to crank to the Alexa, play play '80s '80s rock. There you go. Um, you yeah. an Alexa person? I'm not. Uh, I do. I have one in the office actually. It's uh, it's pretty addictive. I, my kids talk to the Alexa more than they talk to me. It's it's <laughs> they try to find ways to get her to do things. It's it's pretty funny. So yeah, we've. Uh, yeah, I've, I'm an Alexa guy. Awesome. Uh, as of maybe like a month or so ago. Okay. Yeah, yeah. okay. Uh, I give you ten million bucks. You can't donate it. You can't invest it. You can't donate it, and you can't invest it. What are you doing? What am I doing? I can't invest it. I can't donate it. This is what I love about these questions. It's the ones that stump you. They're the good questions. Yeah, they're. It's a good question. I just see my thing is I'm trying to beat myself because I know I already have the answer, but I think it's kind of lame. So I'm trying to come up with, <laughs> I'm trying to come up with a better answer. Uh, I think, you know, I, I put it in a bank and just draw from it because I'm not investing. You can't it. do that. But it's not an we investment. We got to go spend it. We're going to go. Oh, have you got to go spend We're it. We're going to go spend it. Oh, yeah. Um, that's, that's, that's okay. Uh, well, you can't buy property because that's an investment. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I suppose, I mean, if I had 10 million bucks and I couldn't invest it, so I couldn't buy any property. Uh, you can do that. You can invest. You can invest. Oh, okay. Just so like investments. I, I'd like probably stuff I'd, we do for a living. Yeah, I'd probably, uh, I probably buy property. I suppose. Okay. Yeah. Or yeah, I mean, I I probably buy property. Um, you know, for me, I always struggle with people say, oh, I'll just donate it. I can't. I'm not that simple. Like I can't. I can't, I'm not that plain, right? Like I want to know who am I giving it to, and then by right. the time I'll bore you with all the details before, and it's like, no, I, I regret asking you the question, <laughs> right? Uh, there, one part of me says I donate it, but then I'd have to know how, how it is that it's being donated sure. and where it's going and what it's doing, right. and things of that nature. So, any more advice you have for our listeners? Anything that's just you know true to your core that you think of, man? If I was listening to this, this is what I'd want to hear from Noah. You know, I think that. People need to really take a step back. I think as I look around and I, I talk to my constituents, people are really enthralled in this this political environment that we're in. And 
and they seem to be really concerned and it's insulting because it's like you know like i said before our country is a, a great deal bigger than a man um and yeah i think that there there are certain authorities and things that are going to happen um but the fact of the matter is that we have to move on as a nation and uh and we have to get back to business and we have some real issues um and while certainly not everything is going to go your way try not to be too extreme in your perspectives um we're going to be fine as a country because we're amazing people we're, we're one of the best countries in the world and i know that because i'm a guy that came up from nothing i i, I do not believe that i could have achieved what i achieved in this country and anywhere else in the world and so stay hopeful you know stay hopeful and stay humble well, that's great advice, my friend, and uh, I really appreciate you being here. Where can we uh, drive more traffic your way? You got website, you Instagram, social media, where you at? Yeah, so my customers are all primarily government folks uh, on the DOD side and on the civilian side. Uh, if you want to learn a little bit more about me, uh, you can uh, go to www.getcrs.com. talks about my company. Or look me up on LinkedIn. I'm always interested in meeting amazing people, always meet, uh, interested in creating amazing memories. And you never know when your next best friend is going to come around the corner. So I'm open-minded and open-hearted. And, and certainly, uh, you know, if anybody wants to reach out to me or, or dialogue or exchange ideas, always welcome. You can never have enough of that awesomeness in your life. And so... Well, I appreciate you being here, Noah Vasquez. It's been an absolute uh, privilege to have you on the show today. Our listeners are going to take a ton from what uh, you just had to share. So I appreciate it, my friend. Thank you for taking the time to put this content together and helping people. Absolutely. We're happy to do it. Tune in next week for another episode of The Circuit of Success with Brett Gilliland on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and through our website, circuitofsuccess.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and email any questions to info at circuitofsuccess.com. This podcast was a presentation of lineupmedia.fm. 